Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode 14 of the Seek First podcast. We're glad that you joined us back for this series that we're currently doing, which is uh, on the topic of suffering. This is part four of that series, and it is titled How to Walk with Those Who Are Suffering. So we're going to be discussing today, uh, what does it look like for us to encounter one another in suffering? and How do we walk with each other through hardships um, when, when they come and they will come? So, uh, yeah, we'd like to kick us off with uh, maybe the first scripture here out of Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. and Have some discussion about that, maybe. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and start with Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. So to recap just a bit, um, as you mentioned, this is episode 4, and so we talked about reasons why we suffer. And then the past two, we talked about um, who is God when we suffer, mm-hmm. and also what is it like to pray while we suffer. And so in light of those things and some of the things we discussed in those podcasts, that a God is a God of comfort and that God cares about um, our suffering, that he's aware of it and wants to interact and wants us to interact with him in the midst of it and also gives us his ear uh, when we are suffering. And so with that in mind, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the point here is that we are called to imitate God to one another to bear his image, to show the same love that he has showed us, to give the same comfort that he has given us. And um, when others suffer, um, and those around us, when they suffer, we are to uh, show who God is to them and who God has been to us in the midst of our suffering. That's why I think um, in that book by Ed Welch, Side by Side, that we're going through uh, for the Soul Care class, uh, he, he splits it up between the fact that we are needy, but we're also needed. Mm-hmm. And he says that those who know that they're needy are able to provide some of the best help uh, to those who need them. Mm-hmm. So when I know that I need God and I experience who God is in the midst of my suffering, that's when I'm best able to show who he is to others when they are suffering. So that's kind of where mine goes, just imitating the same love that he's shown us, imitating who he is to us in those times, to those when they suffer. Yeah, and I think that uh, the first point that we're going to jump into out of that scripture being that we're to move towards one another in suffering, not away from. That's point number one, right? And uh, we have some scripture you're going to talk about here in just a moment, because oftentimes when suffering uh, does occur around us, especially uh, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, family, uh, we're tempted to do a few things. One is to become uh, over-involved and try to fix everything really quickly, or mm-hmm. maybe to be uh, under-involved, if that's a, a term or not, but... Um, <clears throat> uninvolved and just kind of separate ourselves from it or to be awkwardly involved. Like, mm. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so I think a lot of people struggle with one of those three. Obviously the best one would be what Christ did became involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just kind of, I just wanted to kind of just say that it is not unnatural for people at times to be awkward at this time. And mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things we want to dispel or maybe give some, a road or pathway through to walk through with someone and yourself as you kind of, 
walk with them through suffering so that you don't feel totally like out of pocket or out of place. Uh, because when we feel that way, we tend to disengage or become awkward. And we've seen this in the past in uh, circles at times when somebody will share a point of suffering and then everybody in the circle gets really quiet and doesn't know what to say and then the person feels abandoned or somebody wants to give the quick answer, you know, just have faith in God or whatever it is, you know, and it'll all be okay. Just kind of like, let's pretend like it's not happening. And so we wanted to talk about this because of what Jesus did for us and engaged us with us in, in our suffering and came to our side. And so, and then his spirit does the same. And so we're to move towards one another in suffering, not away from. So what are your thoughts, I guess, if you want to read the next passage, or what are your thoughts on that first point there? Yeah, just that's what that's what God does to us. He mm-hmm. moves towards us. His heart is for us. And we talked about in the last podcast, like it doesn't always feel that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oftentimes when we suffer, it doesn't feel that way. But that is his heart. His heart is bent towards uh, helping those in need um, and helping those who um, struggle. Um, in Second Corinthians one three through five, we actually use this, I think, in the second podcast. But it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." See, God is a God of all comfort, and He goes on to say, "Who comforts us in all our affliction?" Now, why does He comfort us in our affliction? He comforts us because He is the God of all comfort, and He loves us. But also. Paul goes on to say, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So all for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And this is kind of right in line with Ephesians 5.1, that we're to be imitators of God. Mm-hmm. God gives us this comfort in suffering because he loves us, but also so that we can show it to others, to give them the same comfort that we receive. So... The point here uh, in in point number one is to move towards one another in suffering and away from with the posture of I'm, I want to comfort. Um, and so you're sitting in a group, you're at, you're at kind of in a time in a, a small group where somebody's sharing and they just shared something that's really painful and difficult and kind of like you said, where nobody really knows what to say. Our hearts in those moments should be postured towards what does comforting this person look like? Um, what does it look like to move towards them instead of away from them? Um, but I think unless you have anything else to add on that point. Just with, um, well, this is maybe jumping ahead, but you touched on this in verse four. <clears throat> so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so just it's that um, it can be introspective in that moment as well. Like, Lord, help me to see where, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you've helped me so that I'm providing your help and not my answers. And then also as a reminder that God doesn't waste those times. Like he wants to redeem our own brokenness and our own narratives so that we, it can be used for his glory and others good. Mm -hmm. And so moving towards one another at times, I'll be honest at times there's some bitterness inside. He's like, well, nobody moved towards me when I was broken, (laughs) you know? And so you withhold uh, out of spite um, because you didn't may, maybe receive it. And I've seen this often, um, it, it, just in general, uh, whereas maybe we should be offering what we didn't get as being a first step as well. Mm. Um, not, not, not from God. He gave us what we need, but sometimes we feel like, well, I didn't get that relationship. You know, it seems unfair for me now to have to offer what I didn't get even in that relationship. But God may be, you know, creating a new path for healing, Mm-hmm. yourself through that process. So just being mindful of the fact that God wants to use what you've been through for his glory and others good, not for you to go to waste. And that's kind of what jumps out to me and moving towards one another and suffering, not away from is 
you know, mm-hmm. what would I have wanted? Um, mm-hmm. in, in, in what help have people played a role in, in my brokenness? So that just jumps out to me from that specific passage. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> and something I'm just kind of thinking through as you, before you kind of explained that first point, you mentioned that the tendencies we have, uh, we have the tendency mm-hmm. to be awkward mm-hmm. and like try to say something, but not know what to say. We have a tendency to write off someone's suffering and just you need to have more faith or you need to trust God mm-hmm. or just completely disengage. Um, and I guess with the kind of steps and points that we're sharing here, what we're trying to do is slow down the person who wants to jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're trying to equip the mm-hmm. person who wants to disengage mm-hmm. and the person who feels awkward, like that's kind of normal sure but we're also trying to equip them yep um and so first move towards we yes. want to move towards one another in suffering <clears throat> not away from um and then our second point is to just listen and be present um i think oftentimes when we find ourselves this maybe goes with the people who feel awkward in these moments or disengage we don't know what to say um and we can say a lot more when people are suffering by just listening and being present and actually not saying anything at all then if we just start talking and rattling off a bunch of things that we think this person should do or ways they should fix their situation um, so I think listening and being present actually is what God does to us um, again back in the praying while suffering that he is a listening ear and I've I've actually heard it described like when we feel like God is silence um, I've heard that silence described as a ministry of presence, kind of like from the Lord, um, where I'm, I'm I'm crying out and it doesn't seem like he's saying anything, but God is present and his heart is bent towards us and, and present with us. So we can give a lot to somebody just by listening and being present. Um, so what do you what do you want to say on that point? Yeah, I'm going to get to this in just a moment. Um, but active and like be engaged as you're listening, <clears throat> like, don't be looking at your phone, you know, or, yes. um, you know, I struggle with that. The thing goes ding and I'm going to look at it. And so mm-hmm. just maybe getting rid of some distractions that are natural that will distract you. So putting yourselves in positions to actually listen to the individual, like create the environment, get rid of distractions, engage eye contact when appropriate. Um, you know, just really set the stage for them to be able to share comfortably mm-hmm. uh one thing I, I counsel some with fieldstone one thing they do really well is creating atmosphere mm-hmm. um within the room within you know distracting sounds like getting rid of those things so that that person knows that we're here to bring you before the lord i'm here to hear your narrative mm-hmm. and i think we can practice those things in everyday life as well um you there's been times here even when somebody will say hey i have something to share i'll say let's go you know near out of the hallway or outside or something just to kind of draw them away from all the busy that's going on around us. Mm-hmm. And so that we have that space to really, I can listen. I can, I'm not a good multitasker. Some people are, <laughs> you know this. So if, if it's just me and them, mm-hmm. I can zone in on what's going on and be attentive. And I think it's important for the person to perceive is you're really listening to me. Mm-hmm. Like some, like what you're doing now, small acknowledgements, verbals, facial, 
expressions, like just letting the person know that you are with them in the midst of that. And listening and being present may also mean when they're crying that they see that you feel some of their pain, empathy Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're happy that they see some of the joy, you know, confusion that you also look confused. And so sometimes listening is like they need to they need to know that you're present with them. Um, So there's a lot of practical things that we can kind of do before we get to this next step, even of letting the person know that that we're there with them. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what jumps out to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's how you, that's that's how we show love in Mm -hmm. those moments. And again, some of us need to slow down when we want to speak, Mm -hmm. but the Proverbs say that to, to give an answer before we hear it's our folly. Mm -hmm. So we need to listen to someone and just minister to them through our listening. Um, And also I think with this point, I, I don't know if this is worth saying, but I'm going to say it. We want to uncomplicate this process a little bit, at least. Mm-hmm. It is hard to walk with people when they're suffering because we don't always know what they need. Um, we don't always know the full extent of what's going on. But to a degree, just listening and being present uncomplicates the process because you don't have to fix mm-hmm. things. You know, I think it's really good. And I think the other thing... um Somebody out there listening to this may think I got to hit all five steps in like the first episode, first time I sit with somebody. No, it may be that you sit several times just listening as they may not even get past step one. You know, just moving towards them. Yeah, Yeah. they might not even talk yet. So let's make that crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that this is pace. This is not a five step program to help you (laughs) get people out of their suffering. No, 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 it's. What's a kind of framework, a grid that we can use to, to a degree, uncomplicate this process and love one another as mm-hmm. well? So mm-hmm. anything else on point two? Nope. Okay. Point number three, as you listen, discern source of suffering so you know how or if to speak. And so as we are listening, we are trying to listen for what is going on, for how it's affecting the person. Um, and why we say discerning source of suffering, we talked about sources in the first episode, and we said that we suffer uh, for th- primarily three reasons. We suffer because we live in a fallen world, and things just happen. Mm-hmm. We suffer because other people have sinned against us, and so their sin has caused some type of hurt or pain in my life. Um, and then we suffer because we sin. So sometimes suffering becomes directly... Um, of our own accord. Mm -hmm. Um, And even here, we're trying to pump the brakes for some people who want to just jump in and fix it. Mm -hmm. You're trying, if you go in trying to exhort, admonish or rebuke somebody who needs to be loved and Mm -hmm. encouraged Mm -hmm. because they're weary from suffering from somebody else's doing, or just because they live in a fallen world, you're going to further hurt that person. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be helpful. Um, in First Thessalonians, it says, encourage the faint-hearted, admonish the idle. It doesn't say admonish the faint-hearted or rebuke the faint-hearted. Mm-hmm. So we need to listen for what is going on in the person. Um, and our response needs to fit according to what is going on, not what we want to say or we think we should say. So mm-hmm. we need to discern the source of suffering. And we said, so we know how or if we should speak. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes... We just need to sit with someone in their pain and their heartache and their sorrow. Um, and in Romans twelve fifteen, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, even here, it's 
you're rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and you're weeping with those who are weeping. And I think at times the default position, especially if we're someone who tries to fix it, is maybe rejoice with those who rejoice and tell those who weep to stop mm-hmm. because they should just trust God more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's <clears throat> incorrect and unloving. And so we need to understand what's going on before we say anything or even discern if we should say anything. So what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a temptation. There's a number of temptations that occur, at least for me at this level, and I'm sure it's kind of universal. Um, if they say something that I'm like, ooh, I've had that happen to me, mm. then there's this real big temptation to begin to share your narrative and story instead of listening because it's like, oh, I can I can bring help. Mm. You know, I, I can relate to them. And so we have to be really aware that this isn't about us in that moment mm-hmm. and that yes this may there may be a time for us to share oh i think i kind of understand where you're coming from this is something similar to have there's a time for that but it's rarely the first opportunity you have to mm. to share that uh usually is later um when they ask or they hint towards something like am i alone in this then that mm. gives you opportunity but just to, because when we listen there is there going to be multiple opportunities for us to like uh, remember our own narratives or to try to find a way to connect with them. And we can almost, if we're not careful, jump over the Holy Spirit. Like what is the spirit of the Lord doing right in mm-hmm. this moment? What is his desire uh, to do to, to let this person, you know, share these things and get it all out or for me to kind of interrupt it. Um, and so just be real attentive to what the spirit of the Lord is telling you to do and how to interact with that person at that, at that moment as well. And if there is something inside of you that I don't know, but I sometimes tell people, listen, I have to write something down. Don't be discouraged if I'm doing that while you're talking is because I may not remember everything. It's really crucial. And so listening sometimes, if I have an idea or thought like, oh, this would really be a connecting point, mm-hmm. I just write it down on a sticky note or something mm-hmm. um, so that I'm able to, to come back later if the Lord uses that material or, or story or narrative to, to encourage them. <clears throat> so, um, and I also say that because I, you're right on. Sometimes someone may come to you with a suffering point and, it, and you're thinking to yourself, man, like you put yourself in this position, like this is consequence of your own sin. But then you find out as the person continues to share and later on, we'll talk about asking good questions. And as things get fleshed out that, oh, there's like, there's like a whole backstory to what led to this response as well. And so, yeah, if you just go into, you know, trying to correct them and get everything. We miss the the finer points of actually what's at play in the person's heart, and we can really shut things down quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, discerning that source is really important. And also, in my mind, at least, keeping myself in check. <laughs> like, don't jump the gun. Uh, don't make it about me. This isn't mm-hmm. about me. It's about this person and their suffering. So, those are my thoughts, I guess, on three. Yeah. Yeah, as you listen to certain source of suffering, so you know how or if to speak. And I, I appreciate you pointing out the fact that even, even if somebody is telling a story, uh, <clears throat> they're kind of relaying what, what occurred in a conversation and they, and you, you're starting to interpret like, Oh, you put yourself here, but there is a whole backstory as to why they put themselves there or what was motivating them. Or maybe some things that have happened in the past that caused them to be, disposed to behavior like that or whatever it may be. It's not to say that they're not responsible. It's just to say you don't have the full picture. And so so don't say things that are corrective when you don't have the full picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just to don't, the point is like don't circumvent the process. Um, And especially for those of us who like to fix things, 
people can only take one step at a time. And if we try to burden them with taking a lot of steps, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. We want to keep hope on the horizon, which we'll get to there in a moment. Um, but you want to move on to point number four? Yeah. You want to? You want me to? Let's do it. You do it. All right. Ask good open-ended questions where appropriate to draw out the heart. Ask good. This is key. <clears throat> ask good open-ended questions where appropriate to draw out the heart. I find a lot of people struggle with this, mm-hmm. and this is what actually keeps a lot of people from engaging in helping those who are suffering or helping Mm -hmm. a friend. They're like, I don't know what to say. I hear that all the time. Um, And maybe we can throw a resource in here that has Mm open-ended questions. But um, this whole phrase is actually good. You did a good job forming this sentence, Jordan. Ask good open-ended questions where appropriate to draw out the heart. Um, And then you gave Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And every biblical counselor listening said amen. This Mm -hmm. is like the theme verse of biblical counseling. Um, But it is true. And so, um, yeah, we need to be very aware of the questions we're asking Mm -hmm. and what are we getting at? Like, why are we asking it? Um, Because the question that you're going to ask will either lead towards, like, discovery or just like off on a rabbit trail. So you Mm -hmm. have to be really aware of how to keep things focusing and moving towards healing. But what are your thoughts on four before I jump into another passage? Um, I just think to emphasize where appropriate, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean to keep coming back to this, but um, I, I did word that question very intentionally and where appropriate is only this step only comes after you've listened and after you've discerned the source of suffering and what's going on in somebody. Um, and I guess maybe we can get into this after your passage, but some good examples of what kinds of questions these are like. So let's get into that after your passage. But Yeah, Psalm 139 is actually, um, of course, David's psalm, Search me, O God, and know my heart. A lot of people know Psalm 139, Search me and, and know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. This, this is prayer. Uh, to the, to God himself in the midst of, of life, right? You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. So he's acknowledging God knows everything about him. Um, and I won't, we don't have time to read much of this. So if I get down to the last two verses, um, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, verse 23, and try me and know my thoughts and see if there's be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so this may be a, just a small snippet of how to think about uh, if this is David's prayer to God and our desire is to help this person come before God and to make these requests to God together for this person to come to healing or come to understanding or whatever it is, uh, maybe part of the questions that we're asking are trying to draw these things out. You know, what's going on in your heart? Like, what what is happening? What What is your thought life like when it comes to these things? Like, where do your, th- where do your thoughts go? How do you think about them? Um, is there something inside of you that does get triggered in this that, that kind of keeps you from being who God's called you to be in the midst of it? And are you losing an, an eternal perspective? Like what's a perspective that would be hopeful, which we'll get to the end. So just this last part here, this just two verses can be helpful to kind of consider as we're talking to them and listening to their narrative. Um, mm-hmm. Our goal is to really draw out the heart. So the questions that do that, the questions that draw out the heart, which are motive questions, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, why do you feel so strongly about that or something along those lines and try and know my thoughts. Like, what is it you think about that when it happened? 
Uh, what are your thoughts when you encounter, like what are the, the thoughts that come back to you over and over again uh, when you relive some of those narratives? Like what are you thinking about? And then is there something inside of you that's kind of taking you off the course of what God would want for you as a, as a person as well? So just a couple quick I thought that was helpful. I read that. It may have been in, in uh, Side by Side. I don't remember. But um, just a couple thoughts of what David is crying out to God and that we're to do the same thing, to help the person to come before the Lord and to draw these things out. I don't need to know this material. I don't need to know this stuff. Uh, this is me helping you process what's going on inside of you and through you and to kind of reframe some things according to what God would want hmm. uh, for your healing to be. So It's kind of like in Genesis 3 after the fall and how God approaches Adam and Eve. Yeah. He's not just like sinners, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, he asks a question Mm -hmm. and a really good one. He says, where are you? Mm -hmm. And I remember in a sermon one time you pointed out, (laughs) you said, God knows where Adam is at, Mm -hmm. but he wanted Adam to know where Mm -hmm. he was at. And so where are you? And and it explains and gets into so much Mm -hmm. and we hit ourselves uh, why, mm-hmm. you know, and then you start to dig in that way. Um, and it, this is where it just goes beyond information. And like you said, it goes into motive, mm-hmm. um, and why people do the things they do and why we have the responses we do. Um, and I, even in our a study on Monday night, we were talking about how, um, when things happen, our, our emotions are indicators of less of our circumstances more and more of what's inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm processing something with somebody, um, certainly circumstances are an ever important factor. Um, but the way we respond is indicative of what is internal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we want to try to get to there and draw the heart out. And so we can apply the truth of the gospel to those things. Um, and this is where I think too, uh, we avoid, just becoming sin managers mm-hmm. because we're not just being the guy who's just checking in on a specific sin or just mm. checking in on a specific reaction to suffering. Like we're trying to love and engage and counsel the whole person mm-hmm. as we walk with them and their suffering. So that's good. And I, I guess I think that quote at the end that we have at the bottom here fits here by Ed Welch. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, ask open-ended questions where appropriate to draw out the heart. Ed Welch says, suffering is the trouble that comes at us. Sin is the trouble that comes out of us. Mm -hmm. So kind of in line with point three, too, as we listen and discern and as we seek to ask questions where appropriate, um, we can appropriate our questions to is suffering, is this person suffering because something's coming at them and the trouble that's coming out of us, how can we engage that as well? Mm -hmm. So. That's good. Okay, number five. We're not going to be, by the way, just so everybody knows, we're not going to be able to cover everything in this little yeah. episode here. So There's a lot, and this is, is a, a general framework. Yes. Not specific. Help, help to see hopeful outcome by refa- reframing their narrative redemptively. And I think this is important, too, because oftentimes people feel hopeless and helpless. Mm-hmm. And so um, th- this may be something you do want to instill right away. Like, and, and I will even say this with somebody, I know that you feel hopeless right now. I want you to know I'm going to have hope for you, mm. even though you feel that way. So I understand where you're at, but I, I see something that God can do here. I just want you to know that. Um, and it isn't to like say, hey, get over it. God's good mm-hmm. all the time. All the time, God is good. You know, it's, it's, it isn't that at all. It's just a, the worst feeling in the world almost is to to 
have something that you've done or has been done to you or it's natural disaster and somebody just to kind of be like, man, I just, that's hopeless. Mm-hmm. Like, and joining your hopelessness, like that is not helpful sometimes, right. most times, if ever. Um, and people feel that way and they need to be reminded of the fact that they're uh, and not in a flippant, again, I want to be crystal clear, not in a flippant, you know, God is good all the time kind of way. Uh, but to truly say, I, I, I see a path, like mm-hmm. there's a path here and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard path. Let's be honest with that. Yeah. But there is a hopeful outcome if we pursue God and, and I'll walk with you through it and won't abandon you just as God won't abandon you. Mm-hmm. So just common thing, things to, to kind of share with somebody. Um, and, and I would say, I would do that even at the first time I meet somebody. Like mm-hmm. even as I'm just listening, I'd, I'd hug or handshake or whatever. Even in my prayer, it might be, Lord, we d- we don't see a path out, hmm. but help us to have hope because we know that you are a God of hope or something. Just to let mm-hmm. them know there is there is some good here. But your thoughts on point five? Yeah, I think it's it's vital that we help one another because. When we're and we know this, if we've if we've suffered ourselves, when we're in the midst of just going through it, uh, we we can't see very well. <laughs> we can't see how something might end. We don't know what the end of the story might be. And so, in those times, I've had I've needed to have people say, or some and somehow like instill hope in me, a way of encouragement or prayer, like you said, or. There was a lengthy season in my life where it was like people were saying, I'm believing for you, mm-hmm. and I know you can't right now, and that's okay. I believe for you, mm-hmm. and God is at work. Um, even I found so much help just for myself in Philippians 1, six, when Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring mm-hmm. it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's no hesitation. Paul's confident in this, that that. No matter where I'm at, God is going to bring this work that he began to completion. Um, And somehow it's happening through the difficult things in my life, and he's at work and all of that. Um, I was recently reading um, an article, and it was talking about how uh, we need to help people see sometimes, especially when they have some some type of specific suffering going on that uh, is potentially traumatic or just is really, really difficult. Sometimes it helps to help. It helps to help someone see that this is not. This is one chapter in the entire book of their mm-hmm. lives. Yep. Um, like this isn't the only phase. Um, and and especially with things that can be really difficult and really traumatic, uh, we tend. It's easy to see our life through that lens, um, our past through that lens, our future through that lens, and so. As the sufferer, it's really hard to not see it that way sometimes. But as we seek to help people and walk alongside them, um, helping engage their narrative in the redemptive narrative of the scriptures, in the the grand work of what God is doing, um, so that they don't only see the specific instance in their lives, but they we try to help them to see the whole story. That's good and right on. I agree. Anything else we want to add? I think that uh, we're about to hit the 30 mark here, and I think it'd be good maybe to close this up. Again, this is um, this is not all-encompassing. This does not take every situation. This is just a general overview of maybe how to approach the situation uh, with those who are suffering. So closing thoughts? This could probably be an entire podcast series in itself. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. maybe. 
Maybe a preview. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Closing thought is that we entitled it how to walk with those who are suffering, not run with those who are Mm -hmm. suffering and not, not walk with those who are suffering. Excuse Mm -hmm. the double negative. Yeah. And uh, be patient, Mm -hmm. be slow, be intentional, be prayerful, uh, be obedient. (laughs) This is hard for me. Like the Lord's like, did you text this person? And the Lord will use other people to remind me as well. You know, did you follow up? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's I, I just, if we're, if we're real honest, just for just the kind of closing this out, um, helping those who suffer, including those who help me, it's taxing. It's tiring at times and it's mm-hmm. exhausting. Um, and I just want to kind of remind us that we have to draw to, the Lord ourselves, as we're walking with somebody else through suffering, you can only offer what you possess, or at least on the the journey to get yourself. And so, um, make sure that you are spending time with the Lord um, yourself as you're walking with someone else, and uh, be be prepared to hand it over to God uh, yeah. as well. This is uh, we carry we briefly carry these burdens with one another, and in the end, it's the it's Jesus who says, "Come to me, all your heavy laden burden, I'll give you rest for your soul." Right take my yoke upon you. So it's a transference. Our goal, our job isn't to carry their burden for life. Our job is to carry their burden to bring it to Christ. And so I just want to give you, those of you who who are out there, I guess, quote unquote, on the front lines of walking with someone right now, um, thank you. And uh, make sure that you're filling up your time with the Lord and that you're pouring out uh, what he has to offer. So just some closing thoughts. That'd be its own podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I uh, hope you join us uh, next episode and we'd love to hear from you. Podcast seek first at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you have any thoughts about the series, uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you on that. Thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening to the seek first podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings.